children. You Please. can buy Maple Story 2 on, on the Steam store right now. A game notoriously about weed. Prove me wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that old joke. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's a joke. But, um, I'm still sick. I know that what I'm still sick. What a bizarre thing. Not that you're sick, no one cares about that, but that Maple Story 2 is coming out. Yeah. What makes it Maple Story 2? It's in 3D. Oh, wow, that's, uh, that's a pretty good... It's, they added another dimension. I guess that's a pretty big deal. Very uh, blocky. It looks cool. Like, from an aesthetic standpoint, I heard the game is really bad so far. Tell me about this bad game. Apparently, there's a lot of um, time gating in the game, and you can't even buy items from the, from, like, the cash shop to, like, alleviate it. So, essentially, everybody at the game... Who's, who's like playing the game right now you can buy into early access is at the same point because like your crafting is time gated the dungeons are time gated so even the microtransactions are time gated yeah the michael transactions that's pretty bad that's pretty weird um that 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 is like the ultimate that's like the uh shitty version of what people think communism is where like it's a video game but everyone is at the same point because it's so hard on gating and which is of course one of the big things about communism is time gating everything but uh like everyone having the same thing just because like the game won't allow it yeah i i man i have good memories of maple story that's that's the beginning and the end of that sentence okay and that thought all right have you been playing any games, not just thinking about games? Because this is WTDG for the week of October the 4th be with you. Did you get up that last podcast, Inside Baseball? No, because yeah. you, you never told me that it was ready. I should, uh, yeah, I should have told you. I had it ready last week, but um, uh, yeah. So I don't know, and I don't know. This is a, uh, a podcast uh, that is What's the Deal with Games? That's every type of games, and we sit down every week and discuss what is games. What's the deal? I don't know, but I've got these chickpeas. Let, let me give me a give me a sound on these, okay? Oh, those are you got that crunch. We've clearly gotten some roasted chickpeas. We've gotten some dried, dehydrated roasted chickpeas. Some snack form of chickpeas. Not my favorite. What's the flavor by the crunch? Um, it is like, is there some sort of paprika? Is it? You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're getting there. Um, it's a, uh, it's not Cajun, is it? Okay. Balsamic and cracked pepper. All right. Okay. Um, my favorite which, which form. Which I assume was your second guess. My favorite that was right that was coming up right there. Uh, my favorite form of the chickpea is the chickpea salad. I am a big fan of that. Put a bunch of I like I like hydrated chickpeas. I like that. I like them. I like them live and still screaming while I'm popping them in like some sort of like alien chickpeas are. Something that I could imagine on like a Star Wars, uh, in like a bar, people are eating it as bar food. But it's like it's like the same thing, but they're like screeching whenever people eat them. That's really romantic. Thank you. Have you seen Solo? But, no. Was I supposed to? It was. It's pretty good, actually. I'm surprised. Uh, I like. No, a lot I'm of all the, about. I'm all about the good place. That's all that matters. I, I I like a lot of the new Star Wars because I don't take them seriously, and people who take anything like that seriously are gonna get what's coming to them. Or if you're you like go. a bigot, if you're like a huge bigot, then yeah, of course those star, these Star Wars really suck. 
I take the good place seriously because that is what is the good the place? Is that isn't that the new game by Suda Fifty One? You're thinking of the good life. Oh, okay. Well, what's the difference? There's only one so word good, difference. The good place is a show by Michael Schur, who I think uh, did Parks and Recreation. Uh, this is a much better show than Parks and Recreation. That's a and insane thing about, to say. It is about the afterlife, and it is about someone who has been sent to the good place. The good place. It is super smart, super funny. Okay. Like it, love it, gotta have it. Available on Netflix, seasons one and two. Not a shill, just a fan. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Superstore. That's coming back. That's the first episode is like Aaron, like right now. We're in the middle of it. If it's not already over, I think it might actually already be over, but. Oh, so, so I guess it, it's 8.30, so I'm guessing that the. I, it was either 8 o'clock or 8.30. So. just concluded. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, yeah. It probably was 8, 8 o'clock because like, it's weird to make new stuff on the, the half hours, right? It's a big thing. I don't know if it is. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's Super the... Superstore that big. I, it, I feel like it's pretty big. I don't know. I saw the uh, the trailer for it. Just I, I, I wonder if, any, if there's a lot of people who would be appreciating Superstore that just don't know about it. I feel like that is that like... Sure, the, Sure, that exists for a lot of types of shows or games or books or whatever, where there's stuff that people would be appreciating if they just knew, if they just only knew. But um, I feel like Superstore is one of the, probably has a, a huge gap, a huge disparity of people who would probably absolutely love Superstore if they liked, you know, Parks and Rec, off The Office and stuff like that. Um, and I think it's a much smarter, more intelligent, more funny show than those shows, uh, and you know what's smarter and funnier and more intelligent than both of them? Um, the Good Place. The Good Place. And I, can tell, I can't tell you anything about it because it is, it, it's kind of a mysterious show. Like, it's, it's weird to say that because it's also like a comedy. Yeah. But also like that show's got like some mysterious some shit bite. going on. Some bite to it. Yeah. It's spicy. That's spicy. So it's like, it's like Lost in Heaven. You're absolutely right, because Damon Lindelof was actually involved uh, with the concept behind The Good Place. And, uh, I hope not too there much. Is, and there is a small Easter egg uh, related to both Lost and The Leftovers. Was there a polar bear? One. Lost is one of the greatest shows of all time. But that is neither here nor there, because we're here to talk about games. Oh, too bad. I wish we were talking more about Lost. I've played some games this week. What, what do you got? Um, Don't say Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> um, oh shit! Uh, damn, I'm on the spot. Uh, nothing new, I guess. Wow. Yeah, sad. That's good. Uh, mostly Destino Brothers, I guess. If you, if that's if that's more appropriate, if that's apropos to talk about. But uh, I started a Titan, which you were very. Um, or I didn't start did you, my Titan. Did you pay? No. Did you pay? No, my my people are uh, are hard hit are heavy hitters. My people were are good to go. They were at 30. Had you actually leveled through like Trials of Osiris and Warmind when those came out? Or Yeah. I had. That's crazy. I had all I had kept all, well, I mean there was nothing to do in those those past and, and expansions. Did you, did you not get Sleeper Simulant? I uh, I didn't. And now you're just like putzing through the game like Sleeper Simulant's not one of the most important weapons. Oh, they are nerfing it now. Hardly. Yeah, hardly, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I probably need to go do that, but um I'm st- I'm having enough fun that that's not really 
Like, that's not, like, on my docket right now. It's, like, I, I haven't noticed it of, like, I'm not super competitive in any aspect of the game, so... Shame on you. So to feel like I need to get that, I don't really necessarily feel like that. But I did I did start playing the Titan because I kind of wanted to check out the new things for it. The, man, some the, those super... The, it, it's... It's kind of a bummer that it took them this far into Destiny to start to understand, like, how uh, the Guardian types should be moving or acting, because they're very different and fun, and I kind of wish that, like, I, first of all, obviously, I wish that, they, that there was more choice and diversity, like the, like there's not a whole yeah. lot of choice the the new uh the new class subclasses uh are much better they're much better and they are much more fun and i cannot really imagine like even the worst of the new of each new subclass is probably uh, probably better than a lot of the base subclass kind of things um it it's it just it's so it's kind of a disappointment that that first of all there's no there's no real choice being made there. Like you're really just choosing between like which spec you want. Um, and then after that, uh, it's kind of a disappointment that it took them this long to figure out that like, there's so much to do. There, there's so much more like interesting synergies going on that, that really change how you play or how you think about destiny with those new subclasses. I, it's not big stuff. It's not like path of exile stuff, but it, it does like kind of affect the overall, like feel in a bigger way like i more than ever uh like and, and especially when destiny 2 first launched this was really bad like playing a class oh, yeah. just felt like playing any other class because it, you didn't really do it the cooldowns were so large and you could uh, hardly like use your abilities yeah too. yeah absolutely you could hardly use your abilities and the the trees weren't that interesting so it kind of always came down to what the ultimate was and uh, the ultimates kind of function as like big death explosions and stuff like that. Like there's the there's like basically two types of ultimate before this expansion, um, and that is just like big death explosion or turn into murder machine. And I, I like what they've done to well, yeah to the there's as- Mobius quiver, but yes, yeah, sure. Um, there I like what they've done to a lot of the other aspects of the of the uh trees not just the ultimates but more of like the how the grenades and melees affect other things and have different synergies uh so that kind of stuff has been really fun i when i picked up the titan it was because like everyone's running hunter i do want to have a titan um some of their it's ge- hard I, i've been really thinking about warlock but i've got i i just can't stomach the idea of trying to raise another one yeah i mean I was really, I've been sick like all week, so it's kind of been like just something fun to, to return back to the uh, Forsaken story, which is really good. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. I'm surprised you're not like crunching on like a nice RPG. When I get sick, all RPGs I want to do is play, all I want to do is play RPGs. I'm playing an RPG that doesn't suck. Is that Dragon Quest? I'm playing CrossCode. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's so good. I didn't even talk about how good it is and why it's so good but 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 let me let me get to that and then we'll come back to destiny because you know one of my criticisms against like all jrpgs and this is also some of my criticisms about like some like games in general uh rpgs mostly though but it's always like i i have such issues with the way that they handle 
health potions. They're all, I just hate health potions. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I always feel like healing in JRPGs is really wonky. And especially like maintaining like mana between fights is like super wonky. And one of the reasons why there are some games where after a fight you heal to full. And I think that that's great. But what CrossCode does is so smart. And it's something that I don't know any other game doing. But the way that CrossCode works is that when you're in a fight, you're taking like tons of damage, uh, unless you're being really smart with your dodges and your rolls. And as you kill creatures, you're building up this meter. And when you are out of combat, that meter goes down. The meter determines the rarity of the drops you're going to get. But uh, for as long as the meter is ticking, you're still in combat. So what that means is you can push your luck and try to chain between like different streams of enemies. But when you do that, you're sort of limiting yourself because you're not going to regenerate your health. But you're going to get better drops. And the drops are so cool because like there's crafting in this game where like if you craft like you know, if you kill a bunch of snowmen, then you'll get the items you need to like craft snow boots. And that is just so smart because something that like totally turns me off from like Octopath Traveler and games like that is the the idea of like stocking up on health potions and mana potions because it's a preparation that doesn't feel like fun, right? Yeah, but but this is you are talking about like Monster Hunter, right? Like Monster Hunter has a lot of this. That's like a thing that's almost turning me off of Monster Hunter is is not the same though because Monster Hunter you're you're sort of set you're limited in the amount of health potions that you can carry so it always behooves you to carry as many as possible but with with a lot of RPGs it's just like carry as many health potions as you want this is a problem especially in games like Skyrim where it's just like you know uh, up your carrying capacity so you can you know carry two boots full of health potions because it's it slows down the game and it doesn't feel like rewarding you don't feel smart for being like i'm gonna go heal like that doesn't feel good so i really like this clever approach of like risk reward of do you stop like your your combo and heal or or do you press your luck and there is health items uh but the health items are sort of more akin to uh, dark souls where where uh, you have to heal in real time. You can't like pause and heal. You have to like you know, whip out your your chef's <clears throat> sandwich mid combat. Okay. And and I really appreciate that. And you know, when it comes to games, like there are some things that are always going to irk me. One of them is like difficulty levels. I absolutely hate like variable difficulty levels, and I absolutely hate healing, like in most games. And that's why this game is such a winner because it's got such a good balance of difficulty where you always feel like you could push against harder enemies or go into those locations that you're not supposed to be in yet but it's gonna it's gonna hurt because while there are like stats in this game that are like driving your ability to push forward there is also quite a bit of skill but at the same time you really can't ignore stats so like i I just love the push your luck mechanics in this game of both the chaining your combos and of just like, where can I afford to be in this game right now? Where can I grind? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Super smart, like the story continues to be good. 
The music is awesome. Like I, I have a hard time finding anything negative to say about this game. It is, it is a gem. Um, well, I, th- I think that's, I, I think that's really cool that they met, they balance, uh, like push your luck into getting better things or healing. That's, that is a cool, that is a really cool way to do that. I don't and know if those are necessarily sl- like my big issues with JRPGs. I feel like there's other well, stuff that comes to the forefront. probably not what you're thinking about. I don't know if you know about this game, but it's got like, <clears throat> it's real time combat. It's, uh, you know, there's some bullet hell elements of it. You can parry and dodge and block and, uh. You can do melee specs and range specs, and you can gear out to do these different specs. So it's pretty cool. All real-time combat. Feels like an action RPG, you know? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. I've only heard good things. But I've mostly heard them from you, but I think that it sounds like that's not a, a wild uh, opinion a wild of the game. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not a wild review. That's a standard review. But, you know, I've also been playing a lot of Destiny still, and Destiny is a... I've, I'm slowing down a little bit on Path of Exile, uh, and it's really for no fault of it. They continue to improve the league, but just playing a lot of Destiny. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm having issues with my thing. with my build in Path of Exile that's kind of slowing me down. I'm feeling like less good about everything. I'm, I'm very squishy, and I'm not entirely sure. Like, my gear isn't good, but I, I, I it's one of those... I hate this part of Path of Exile because I, I encounter this a lot is like I can't really like I get that thing where my gear isn't that great and I have a lot of I have like 80 chaos orbs so I could you know spend on like cheap new set stuff of just getting some more health but it uh, 80 g- chaos orbs will buy you like a real end game item um but the where I have issues with is like well I can't remove my necklace because I need some of the int on that, and then if I removed the necklace, then I need to make sure that I have enough of this resistance, because if I take that off, then I'm way lower on this one resistance, so I need to, like, so finding gear just becomes such a hassle, because to upgrade it, like, I have to think so much about the other things I'm upgrading, and what I'm missing, like, because over time, as I'm, like, so low self-finding everything, I inherently, so like... Self-found- Way. Yeah, like I, I balance it out myself. Uh, that doesn't mean that the, that I get like top tier stuff. I still get stuff that has like poor rolls. But at the very least, I get to a point where I have a good amount of health. I have the stats I need, and I'm capped on my resistances. And uh, I just always get to a point where that's not good enough. And to change it is like, well, I would need to go through a pretty exhausting like hour to looking over gear and making sure that my new gear is gonna not cause new weaknesses and just be an improvement rather than like oh i forgot that uh i don't have the stats to run that so i need to get another piece of gear that has these specific resistances and plus this thing and i mean it, it's there for you there's yeah, po, yeah. there's po dot trade where you can do those kind of things but it's just a pain in the ass, and then and then like whispering people. I, I do kind of wish there was just like an auction house kind of thing, like whispering oh, yeah. people, and you don't get a response, and you just wait a little while. And sorry, I'm doing something. Hold, can you hold on five minutes? Like, yeah, I guess so. But and then that that's. But stuff. I'll tell you that even if a even if an auction house does make it into the game, what I think would happen is that the auction house would only be for like currency items or maps. I don't think that they would add an auction house for everything, but I don't know. Maybe they would. 
Yeah, it's just I, I think I think like one of the weird things is just you know not getting what you want in that game. It's kind of hard because like you get to a point where where the doing the stuff you're doing isn't good enough to get to the next spot. Always, you know what I mean? Like, does that make any sense? Like, you need to almost be doing harder content than than you're allowed to to be able to like get lucky enough to get the drops that you need to get better gear sometimes. Yeah, but at the same time, people do push that solo self-found pretty hard. They do. And they, they make it happen. There's definitely a lot of game knowledge, and I think that in this league, more than any other league, game knowledge is what pushes you forward. Because the crafting is so powerful, this league, that you can really achieve endgame items just by using that fossil system alone. Yeah, I haven't gotten anything good from that. I don't, and I don't fully understand that. I've gotten a lot of the blue items that are like of crafting. You need to make stuff. You yeah. need to actually use those fossils. I, I mean, I've done that. But I've done that, but I haven't got. I'm getting a lot of. All I want in fossils are going to be like the like more chaos and more health stuff. And I'm finding a lot of stuff that I would never really want. Like I, I, I got like five or six fossils that are um adds more armor and evasion and no health and it's like that's that's not good i don't want that uh well you know the fossils are determined by uh what type of mine you're in so if there are specific fossils you want to target you have to go to those areas in the mine okay yeah there's there's still a lot of stuff and like even playing path of exile 300 hours doesn't afford you a lot of information not always. That's why you gotta use those resources. Yeah, and, and then the other thing is, like, a lot of crafting... Uh, crafting worries me because my experience of crafting is that I don't have a lot of uh, of the currencies, so it, it's easy to get to a situ- the situation where I'm trying to make something happen, and it's just not gonna happen with the amount that I have. Like, people, I, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be someone who is, like, so rich in Path of Exile that you could do stuff like slam an exalt orb into something. Like, for me, that is, like, unconscionable. I've never gotten to a point in Path of Exile where that would make sense for me. To, like, gamble away, like, 80 or so uh, chaos orbs worth of, of, of currency to have a minuscule shot at getting something that I want on an item. People people who slam exalts don't do it when there's a minuscule shot. People, you know, there, there are ways, there are methods of crafting that make it like, you know, like a 30%, 60% chance that you get what you need on that slam. Okay. So I think that's ma- mainly the trick because, you know, once you get into like master crafting, you can like block certain suffix and prefix from appearing on items. Yeah, I was I was reading some about that and and how insane like crafting is in that game. Like taking a white item, constantly going up and down on the blue to make sure you get a blue prefix you want, and then like upgrading it from you there and doing all this it. yeah stuff. Like it, it takes a it it is a it's a little exhaustive. It's a little also not user friendly for you know where I'm at. Yeah, it's probably I, I easier you. for me to just you, buy stuff. Yeah, but then <clears throat> there's all that stuff in your inventory that you're just letting go to waste. You could get some real powerful items with just uh, 
even orbs of alteration and augmentation, you could make items that sell for like hundreds of chaos if you just get the right rolls, you know? Hmm. Because people know. will buy mm-hmm. those those blue bases if you get if you roll the right stuff on them. I wouldn't even know what those are though. The good rolls that you always see, like if you you know, like let's say you're uh, spamming alteration orbs and you hit like forty eight percent fire resistance and one hundred and twenty life, you know okay. you got something good there, and then you yeah. just sell that. Okay. Um. But yeah, no, I've been. Like I said, I've actually been not playing much Path. I've been playing a lot of uh, a lot of Destiny. I'm yeah. playing like, tons of Crucible. I'm playing, you know, tons of Gambit. I'm just, and and I'm not like even chasing anything when I do this. I just like playing Destiny PvP. Yeah, that's which and, is good because that's the way. That's how Destiny kind of used to survive, right? Well, that's how it survives for us. I know that other people you know, care about other stuff in Destiny, but... Yeah, but it, I, I, I mean... I, th- it, I think that the PvP is so smooth. Doesn't it Doesn't so it more good. go down to just moment-to-moment uh, moment fun, like how fun it is to play, like, with the weapons or as your character and stuff like that, and uh, that the moment-to-moment moment is so good that you don't care if you're only doing the same thing over and over again. Even if you, even if that's a limit that you... Even if that's, like, something that you basically restrict upon yourself because you don't want to go through the effort of raiding or anything like that, that, like, PvP is fun endlessly because it's fun to play. Hell yeah, and, and it definitely is. And at <clears> the same time, like, the fact that PvP is in the game motivates me to play the the PvE so that I could chase certain items Yeah, that I, that I know will benefit me in PvP. Like, that's kind of the, that's kind of the fun for me. Yeah. Just chasing those PvE, I, those items that are going to, you know, benefit me in those ways. But at the same time, it's cool because then you're in PvP and then you're doing those like long-term PvP quests, like the ones that last all season for like Luna's Howl and the Broadsword. So it's such just like a nice way that it like feeds into each other. Mm -hmm. But I spent a ton of time this weekend uh, grinding out the Akelos shotgun. And I'm super glad that I got it because now you can't get it this week. You know anything about that, that Akelos shotgun? No, was you that from mine, Mercury right? or no? That wouldn't be it. It's from uh, Mars. It's from uh, yeah, Mar- yeah, you're, yeah. I was right. You run the uh, you run the the escalation protocols, and uh, depending on what boss it is for the week, the different bosses of the different weeks can drop the uh, shotgun, sniper rifle, and SMG. And those and are legendaries. Those yeah, are, are legendaries, yeah. but they come with fixed rolls uh, that can't be gotten in any other way. So the shotgun, the Achilles shotgun, is an auto shotty that comes with a trenched barrel, which is does bonus damage after a melee attack. Oh, wow. So really powerful, one of the best PvE, PvP shotguns. Well, actually the best, unarguably. Uh, and at the same time, I've been on Mars just grinding out that sleeper simulant quest, which is, I, I think, the epitome of bad destiny. <laughs> like the epitome of like... Destiny one, go farm materials on the moon, because essentially the way that you have to do it is is there's a, a point where you just have to like open these sleeper nodes, and to open them you need to get these keys that you can only get from doing patrols and from doing public events. So essentially, you need to open 15 sleeper nodes, which require 
four resonant stems each. So that would require you to do 60 patrols Holy to shit. get all the, all the ones you would need. 60. So I've been spending a lot of time on Mars. Yeah. And then at some point I said, fuck Mars. I'm going to terraform the whole thing. Oh, damn. I just don't, I don't want to be on the planet the way it is. I'm going to start growing some algae. I'm going to make an extreme sports resort. I'm going to crash a crash comet. Crash a fucking planet into it. Crash a comet into it so that it just has all the titanium I need. And maybe on the way I could crash a couple of those sleeper nodes and just break them apart. But I got to say, I also picked up a game called Terraforming Mars, which is <laughs> yeah, if I you can. play board games, the number four most uh, user acclaimed board games there is. I, I have this. This might be the one that I have the most like, uh, like th- that makes me feel like the most that the rating system is just full of shit because it it's very new um, and I haven't played it, so I don't deserve to talk about it. But it, it from what I've seen, like nothing. Nothing gets my goat going, but but you can. You but if you played it, it would. Uh, so the the way that this game works is that essentially it is a cube pushing game, right? So when I say cube pushing, I mean that there's all these different resources that are represented by cubes, and every turn you're going to spend money to activate some sort of project that it's going to allow you to push cubes around. So you're sort of balancing all of these different resources. You're balancing your monetary income, you're balancing your steel and your titanium that allow you to do building projects, you're managing your plants, which allow you to do eco projects, obviously. Uh, You're balancing your energy, which transforms into heat, uh, with the sole purpose, essentially what you're trying to do in this game is convert these resources into terraforming Mars. And the way that you terraform Mars, the way that the game ends, is that once Mars has raised its temperature high enough through the use of heat, raised the oxygen high enough through the use of nature, and have enough oceans on them, then you've terraformed Mars, and the game ends. So it is kind of cool that the game has like this fixed endpoint. It's not like, okay, we're going to play six rounds, and then the game is going to end. No, it's based on like the way that the players choose to play the game and one of the things that i find also interesting is that uh certain cards can only be played uh once some of these conditions have been met or before some of these conditions have been met so for example you might want to put down frozen algae but if it's already too hot on mars you can't play that card it becomes dead so it sort of becomes a race and sort of like a consideration of can I get this card out, get this project out before they raise the temperature too hot? So it might sound a little dry. I don't know if that sounds dry to you, but the thing that is so cool to me is just that, first off, super asymmetric. Uh, In the base game, there are these 12 different corporations, all who have these different like starting abilities and like they start with different incomes. Like one might have extra bonuses from plants or this the company that I played as gets a bonus terraforming point every time that they terraform if they spend three money which is crazy by the way because it's essentially saying when you get a victory point spend three money and then you get another victory point yeah and in this game your current victory points are also your income 
So it's pretty wild. Like these, the the companies are super diverse. But also, what's diverse is every single card that you pick up. There's over 200 of these different projects, and they're all synergizing in some way with one another. So this game is first off, it could be played with a draft style, which makes which is pretty fucking cool because because if you think about like the concept of knowing that you've passed a card to another player where they're going to have to consider, okay, can I get to this card before uh, the temperature is raised? And then knowing to yourself, I can raise the temperature a lot and I can screw him if he takes that card, like pretty cool. Uh, but, but just the fact that there's these 200, over 200 different projects that are all like synergizing with one another, synergizing with the corporations, it's it's slick. It, it feels like a deck builder. It feels like a tableau builder. There's tile placing elements. If 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 you can think of like a board game term, then somehow it's it is somewhere. It exists somehow. King making in terraforming Mars. No. So what is it that you've heard about terraforming Mars that uh, sort of turns you off of it? Well, what originally turned me off, which might not really be like I I, I we say this like my. At least for me, my uh, opinions on board games change pretty rapidly, uh, and I'm kind of now at a state where I understand what I would like better. And I think before, like especially early on, I would have thought like terraforming from Mars isn't interesting because it's very dry and economic. And uh, now I'm wild about cubes. I love cubes. So are, are I- you telling me that the idea of smashing a meteor into Mars is dry? Yeah. Is that dry? Yeah. I mean, really, it kind of is. You can knock out other. You can you can hit other players. Take that, and then then they have a meteor. Then they have to deal with. Um. Originally, I had heard that there is that it's basically just a solitaire, and that was one of the things that kind of like upset me. Is like this long, engine building solitaire game. Um. But I think one of the things that I that I will hold on to, regardless of whether or not if I liked the gameplay, is that I think the game is kind of ugly. Um. I don't like the. Uh, clip like the uh, stock photo card art. Uh, oh yeah, it's hilarious. I don't like it, but um, yeah, like I it, actually like the look of the cubes. Is that crazy? No, I like the I like cubes. I like I just said I love cubes, but honestly, you're gonna play this game. You're probably gonna like it. I probably would. Honestly, I I would. But but I gotta say, just this engine building aspect is so crazy. Like the ideas, like the entire game from beginning to end just feels like action packed. It always feels like you're chasing the next cool thing that you're going to be able to put together. So like, for example, I had this card, it's an action card. You get all these cards that allow you to perform additional actions on your turn. So the action on this card, there's two choices. It's you can perform the action to add a microbe to the card or you could perform an action to remove two microbes from the card to raise the oxygen level. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I activated it early on because you can only use the action once per uh, generation. So essentially, you know, once everybody's out of money and you pass, uh, the income happens and all of your actions refresh. I'm sure that sounds familiar. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so I got it early. So I was like, awesome. I'm going to be raising the oxygen. And every time that I raise the oxygen, I'm adding a terraforming point. And because of my corporation, I spend three extra dollars and I'm getting so much returns out of this, out of this card. And that's when I got 
this other action card, which was essentially tap this card to add two microbes to any other card. And I was just like, holy shit. Every single generation, I can just tap this microbe card to add two microbes to the other card. I tap that, the oxygen raises, uh, the terraforming track goes up. I pay three to raise the terraforming more, and it's just so cool. Yeah, that's pretty because cool. Because it's a thing that, that's emergent that happens because of my specific setup that feels good. And once I raise the oxygen high enough, the game is still going on. So because I'm raising the oxygen so much faster that the temperature is not going to be there yet, we'll get the oxygen to max, max and we'll still have half of the game left. And that's where I introduce birds, birds that can only be played once the oxygen level has reached 13% out of 14%. And then I've got half the game and I'm developing these birds and the card that lets me have microbes. You know what else it gives me? Animals, which is great because the microbes, they're not doing anything for me because I've already got the oxygen to match to max, but now I've got birds and the card is giving me birds. And it's just this wonderful, like harmony of, of engine magic. Yeah, that does sound really good. And I didn't win. But I was close. Paul Who won, won, Paul. Of course. Paul won. How Paul, many people were a, playing? Uh, me, myself, and... No, Paul, Charlene, and me. I okay. wasn't playing twice. Me, myself, and I. Charlene was playing an extremely like cruel game where essentially she just benefited on every other action that everybody else did. She employed all of these cards that uh, straight up lose her victory points but give her like these immediate mean effects where she could like steal the energy and titanium production of other players. But, but I think the thing that one thing that I will say is like, in a way there was like a bit of solitaire to this game, but at the same time, you're also like fighting over parts of the board. And if you consider the drafting element, you sort of know the other capabilities of your opponents and you could sort of manipulate the board and manipulate what you're doing sort of to factor in with that because like i said you could say you could see like oh this person is going to try to uh use use a card that that only exists before the temperature hits x amount of degrees so i'm going to raise that temperature up real high and stuff like that or essentially you're going to make them like play into your hands where you end up giving them action cards that are going to put down ocean tiles but then you have a card that benefits every time somebody puts down an ocean Mm -hmm. So there is some interactivity with other players, but there also the uh, and, and there's also uh, one thing I didn't even get to yet is that there you are competing with other people for these milestones where you are uh, racing to get like the first one to place down this many green tiles or the first one to terraform this much, and so you want to race people there, but at the same time uh, playing the action. Uh, of like declaring that it takes up it takes up a turn a turn that you could be using to further develop your engine so there is sort of like this trade-off are they going to get there before i can and, and and pull the trigger or should i just do it as early as i can so that they can't there's also this element of of you can activate milestones where essentially you activate a milestone that says uh i'm betting on heat development so whoever has the most heat development at the end of the game is going to get some bonus points. The thing is, you declare this for end-game scoring, and somebody could beat you to it. So you might pay money to activate this reward, and then another player could snatch it away from you 
by saying, actually, I'm going to develop more heat than you are. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things going on in this game, a surprising amount. And when I first played it, I was like, this is cool. I don't know, you know, I, I'll play it again, but I'm not like keen on it. But then all day, all that I could think about was how much I wanted to try it again. So I bought the most, uh, what is allegedly the best terraforming Mars expansion. There's three right now. Uh, one of them adds a Venus sideboard. One of them is essentially just like a new map for the game. And then the one that I bought is called Prelude. And what Prelude does is it adds in uh, five new corporations, so more asymmetry. And at the start of the game, uh, you draw four of these Prelude cards and you choose two of them. And essentially what they're going to do is they're going to expedite your engine. And what that means is that the game is going to happen faster and there's going to be even more of that asymmetric goodness that I am always looking for. And I, and I love the idea that the, uh, the prelude cards aren't tied to a corporation. So there's quite a bit of like mixing and matching that you can do. And the thing that's also cool is that you choose your prelude cards based on your initial 10 cards that you draw. So you can look at those 10 cards and say, okay, so based on what I've got for the preludes, which of these projects is going to help me the most? How do I, what's the correct mixture of these that's going to get me the sexiest engine? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I am super duper excited to play more Terraforming Mars because this is definitely a game that has a lot of variety and a lot of replayability with this asymmetry, with the fact that there's 200 different cards. And the last time I played it, I didn't do drafting and I definitely want to try it out with some drafting. Okay. Um, I'm excited to check that out. I have a big life change coming up, but it'll it'll give me it'll afford me a little bit of time in between that. So we'll check that Very out. I, I know. I I I'm sad I got I, I, I was sick. I was gonna end up uh, playing Terraforming Mars with you and getting another Gaia project and missed out on that. Sad. it's always sad to like it's it's a huge bummer to miss out on a Gaia project. Paul is pining after this Gaia project. Yeah. Has he, really does he like uh, Terra, uh, Terra Mystica? One of his favorite games. Uh, he owns the expansion. He's a he's a huge fan. Wow, I'm surprised he doesn't already have it then. But um, yeah, I I hope to um to do that next week. Absolutely. I that see that that's the game for me that that is one of the things where uh, I just I'm always thinking about like in the next one which which race will I play what kind of strategies like what what are things that I should rush on the technology tracks and stuff like that oh man I think that when you play Terra Mystica you might understand that there's enough differences in these games that you can love them both for different reasons and I absolutely do love Gaia Project but at the same time I'm very happy that I own Terra Mystica because it's nice to have access to both. Yeah. Um, I, I kept playing that the Terramistic uh, PC game, actually. But that doesn't mean that I don't think all the time about just buying Gaia Project. But it's expensive. It's expensive. And it's not, worth it. and it's it's not, not really... Worth it's it. not attractive either, but... Terramistic has got a really... It's a nice box. It's a, it's a it nicer box nice and shot. nicer aesthetics. I think the aesthetics are more clear. Like, like it... Like, the the... The kind of like uh, goofy 
almost like clip artier aspect and the the magic and fantasy style worked better for the theme like the theme works better for for everything in that game more than the theme works for Gaia Project just the the weird just colors and like it, it's it's the Gaia Project just feels very sterile i think that's one of the things that i that i noticed like from the art is like very sterile art yeah but but i'm i do hope that you we have so many games to play between like you have to check out Terra Mystica, you gotta play Terraforming Mars, and we just gotta play more Gaia Project. Yeah, I I do kind of want to like return to Root a little bit. Um, oh yeah, and see like the the I think the hype has gone di- has died down a little bit, and people like found that there are cracks in the Root armor, um, and that's no surprise just given how much it was held up as this like perfection of asymmetry and stuff like that but uh i still want to see more of it and i, I still yeah, want to have like not perfect by any means but it is a it's a nice game yeah i want to have a good nice. game of it i think that i think that like i'm really interested in before the year is over for deli- game deliberations to like have a really good game of root because everything about root makes me want to like it more than i currently do so i want to give more shots to that but um are there any video games that you are like pining for before the end of the year? Um, I can't really think. Like, I'm still playing Valkyria. Um, that was one of the last things. And then there's Smash and it? what? Are you digging it? Yeah, I'm. Di- I'm digging Valkyria, but I'm kind of disappointed because I was talking about how good of a Switch game it was and how there weren't really too many issues of frame rate. And I am at a. Uh, I think it might have been. It might be like the. Uh, like fifth major story thing, and it's it's a little while in because you're doing so much narrative and so many side things. Um, but I'm at this one mission where uh, it's on a battlefield where there's a lot of like bullets and uh, like effects going around, like explosions stuff like that, and it kind of uh, chunks the frame rate a little bit, and it doesn't look so good, and it kind of disappoints me. Um, it's kind of almost like it makes it like a little bit harder to play. Because like while you're moving around, like it's the frame rate is getting so choppy, and like that, I don't find uh, the greatest. That's kind of a bummer. But um, uh, yeah, I, that's that's Valkyria. I mean, I, I kind of want to. I'm excited to see uh, to get my hands on Soul Calibur. Um, I yeah, are you gonna you gonna you're gonna get into that? Yeah, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it the old college go. Um, I don't I don't know if anything will uh, dethrone. Dragon Ball Fighters for me at the moment. I really like a lot of stuff about that game, and uh, I, I could go back to a more one v one style. There's there's aspects of Soul Calibur that I've never liked, and I, maybe I will appreciate them or tolerate them more this time. I, I, I'm not a huge fan. I know it's a big part of the game, but like I don't necessarily like uh, ring outs. Um, I, I even yeah. watching um, high level play during the beta footage. Which is beta, um, so you know everything's not you know figured out by any means. Um, there was a lot of like mashing at people while their backs are towards the 
wall. Also, there's something about Soul Calibur that's kind of weird. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about it that much considering I'm not playing the, like, we're not playing six yet or whatever. But um, there's something, like, game balance-wise that when you look at, like, maybe the game that as the most comparable is Tekken. And Tekken has more of a under like there's more of like a understanding to the flow and like a big hit leads to a combo which is also like a like almost like a break or a chance for like as as awful and frustrating as it can be hit by big combos it, it is almost a, a like a a change in the flow and soul caliber is a lot of like people hitting each other and then like still hitting each other and then like someone like hitting each other and then they're they, both people are just kind of like throwing out I'm not stuff. Not sure what you mean. I it just it it's it's a lot less um do you think that there's not like a an a, an a someone in advantage because there definitely is. Yeah, but there... it's almost like it's almost like a lot of that. It, like Soul Calibur is very scrambly if that makes any sense. Like I I think that the game like like there's a term of scr- like scrambles in in fighting games is usually for like weird situations where like there's there's like mechanics kind of going on but behind the scenes of like plus negative and kind of stuff with block and then also unique it it, situations where things trade or it creates like a bizarre scenario where you have to react quickly to it and i feel like that's a lot of soul caliber is a lot of like mashing and then hitting someone and then being like like how positive are you and how far away are you and like both people trying to also throw out stuff um but but we'll see i mean uh, and then and then i also don't know how much i like the uh the clash i need to know more about that um soul cover six has this kind of like clash uh rock paper scissors mechanic where when two moves of like equal strength seem to hit each other uh both people kind of rear back and then they have a choice about the next move as they like run in and do kind of like a canned animation attack um and uh during that you can like do different attacks that might hit before that might like step you backwards and then like counter someone something else that someone else is doing and i want to see how that like overall like rock paper scissors cinematic situate uh cinematic kind of uh angle that gets played out uh I don't know. I mean, there's no reason for me to 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 dislike it at this moment. I've never like I loved uh, Soul Calibur. What was it? Two or what was the one that had Link in it? it? I liked. Yeah, that was two. Yeah, the game. I I loved the GameCube one, but uh, I don't know. I liked four a lot, which was a uh, Xbox 360 era. Yeah, played that a ton online. That was like like two summers for me. Mm-hmm. Uh would you? I'm looking would you? Quite a. I have a weird question. Do you like that? Do you have like better nostalgia towards that? Like, let's say, let's say you're you're on you're in the good place and you can only play uh, like Blaze Blue at its height or Soul Calibur at its height. Blaze Blue. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, like, see, none. the the problem with Blaze Blue is just that no one plays it. Yeah, so like, so if it, that if I could always win the match, then absolutely Blaze Blue every time. Yeah, that being not an issue. It, it, I, I feel like that's the way I look at Soul Calibur in a lot of ways. I don't know why um, I would ever play. There's a, there's a lot of fighting games with a lot of different like angles or reasons why you'd want to play them. And with Soul Calibur, it always felt like I can't see why I would pick it over something else. Like if I if I really yeah, like, I mean, like Soul Calibur has a lot of like footsies and poking. And if I really like that, I might probably like like Tekken or Street Fighter because I feel like they do it a I little like, bit better. Uh, 
I like Soul Calibur more than both of those. Uh, and I think that the reason why the reason why my two like top fighting games are probably Soul Calibur and actually I, I like Street Fighter more than I like Soul Calibur. But the thing that I do dig about the thing that I do dig about Soul Calibur and Blaze Blue is the asymmetry. And you know this, I'm a I'm a board gamer, right? I like variable player powers. I like Terra Mystica. That's why I don't like Tekken very much. That's why I that's why at the outset of Dragon Ball Fighters I fell off a bit. I fell off pretty fast. It's cuz I didn't feel the asymmetry the way that I do in like Blaze Blue where it's like super hardcore. Like this character has a button dedicated to why they're different from everybody else. And I feel something similar in in Soul Calibur where the weapon is really that defining characteristic of of who they are, of what they do. Okay, that's a good answer. Um, I, I feel like it's better now in Dragon Ball Fighters. I do agree with you, and I do agree with you overall in Tekken that, like, especially, like, the things that make Tekken characters feel different aren't as obvious, like, visually or otherwise, in a lot of cases. So I do like the idea of, like, picking a character in Soul Calibur because you, like, like that, uh, gr- like, Grom or Grohl or whatever has, like, these two, these double this double blade this double sided blade that he breaks apart into two blades and like how does that change his play style or like the fact that Ivy has like massive boobs and like how does that change her play style I could understand why uh, those... I feel like that's not I, I understand that Ivy does have massive boobs but you can't <laughs> also tell me that her sword is really the sword like... the chain whip thing is really cool too I, th- that's just the lowest hanging fruit which of which Ivy has the lowest hanging fruit wow I know. The, uh, I'm that, excited that, for so many games, Ryan. Yeah, like, hit me with some of what you're excited about. I, I, you know what I'm excited about? I'm excited about uh, a lot of board game stuff. I'm excited about uh, my first like Kickstarter stuff. Game. Kind of what? Andrew Fister announced a new game, Blackout, and it might be coming out this year. How crazy is that? I don't know who Andrew Fister is. What What is... Uh... I, I heard I, the name. Am I saying his name wrong? I think no, I, I think it, I think I, I, I think you're saying it right. I'm just did, uh, okay. So correction. That's Alexander Fister. Okay. He made Great Western Trail. He made Broom Service. He made Oh My Goods. And that's those so are weird. Games. Those are weird when you put them together. Oh My Goods is such a sick game. I'm not talking about like the quality of those games, of which I think people agree are are they're all good games. Um, I just think that it's like. That man does not have a theme. He he can he can bounce. Well, he's coming out with a new game, and it's called Blackout, Hong Kong. Okay. Um. Is there anything on that? You know. You know. One thing that's really funny about. Uh, I tell you about it. One one thing that I find is really funny about board games is like I I don't know if you you notice this, but especially when you're looking at early coverage, I feel like video games have a much better way of describing like okay, so it's kind of like this, but we're throwing in this, and this is like kind of our new thing that you're gonna get excited about. Here's this aspect of this game that has like never been done before, or we're doing it better. And with a lot of board games, it's like well, it's like kind of a card drafting. Uh, area control game, and then when I hear that, it's just like, okay, I have no interest. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't... You want me to tell you about it? <laughs> yeah, sure, please. Hong Kong has been struck by a large-scale unexpected blackout. Okay. As the... the government struggles to maintain control, 
you decide to take matters into your own hands and bring back some kind of societal order. Daily life, as you were used to it, has quickly dissolved. Even the most mundane tasks have become incredibly challenging without power. Imagine yeah, like brushing your teeth with no lights on. Yeah, well, Whoever okay, best manages this situation and restores the semblance of order will surely claim a position of power in post-Blackout Hong Kong. In That's... Alexander Pfister's Blackout Hong Kong, you manage to... You have to manage ever-changing resources and a network of various specialists to keep Hong Kong from descending into chaos while staying ahead of your rivals. Yeah, it's hard to understand much from that. Like, and theme what, is a what theme is interesting. What if instead I told you area control, deck building, dice rolling, hand management? I mean, I, I, yeah, that comes closer, but it kind of also is still the thing. Like, it's still, it, like, it's funny because it's still the thing where, where, like, where, like, okay, the theme is kind of cool. How much will that even play? Like, some of the, some of the times, I feel like with a lot of board games, uh, there, there's examples of like, like, Root is a game where, where the theme, like, you, when you hear, uh, like, Woodland War, um, maybe they could have done a worse job at this, but. Possibly the thing that I still think is the most interesting thing about Root is that it uses this theme of woodland creatures in an ecosystem having a war to create a war game that also has a greater ecosystem that is these different factions affecting each other. And that's kind of fascinating because not only is like the theme is good and it's done amazingly well by Kyle Farron and the art, but also the theme like plays into what the game is like in a in big ways like the game is is like a cutesy war game where where much of like what the almost is like on the theme is being acted out by players like you you do live in an ecosystem you do want to be cute and non-menacing because you don't want to be struck down too early and with a lot of board games i just don't know if i always feel their style like i like we're talking about uh, uh, Gaia Project, and I think there's there's still kind of a disconnect between the stuff you're doing and what the game like actually looks like. Like it it could be almost anything. Like it, they could have taken Terra Mystica and then just like change. Well, I mean they did that, but like they they could take Terra Mystica and make it so that the hexes aren't right next to each other and still make it Terra Mystica. Like you you barely feel like you're a spacefaring alien race. Um. So I so I I. I look forward to seeing that and and like hearing so much about the theme is like well well okay there's there's something interesting there but but like how much will it feel like we're you know in a chaotic Hong Kong trying to like create our new like world order in the shambles of of the lack of one um, but that so that could be good it'll probably be good because of the uh, pedigree right yeah. But I mean, it'll be talked up some, a lot. Uh, you said you have some Kickstarter stuff coming yeah. out, like coming to um, you? Like coming, it should be coming, yeah, some Kickstarter stuff should be coming before the end of the year. I think, like, uh, most notably on that is, like, we're both getting Overlord soon. I believe that's October, or is that September? Well, September's over. Oh, yeah, September's so over. I, I'm, I'm an idiot. Hopefully October. Yeah, hopefully October. Um, uh, so, yeah, Overlords, that, that uh, like, uh, it's like a weird... Isn't it kind of basically like the 
uh, like Hearthstone, but good and with playing up that whole uh, like mech mag- magnetic mechanic where you're like affixing different abilities and stuff like that. Um, Don't you just spend the whole time making one weapon? Maybe something like that. Uh, so there's there's Overlord should be coming to us. Um, I keep talking about how like and and the production updates have looked amazing for Court of the Dead. Very excited about that, and, and that also uh, kind of presents uh, a really interesting game of which I don't really have one of like a Is that this year. That is this year. I mean, supposedly. Who knows with Kickstarter, I guess. But uh, but that's supposed to come out December. And their like production stuff has looked amazing. And there's so many cool things that they're doing, like pre-production um, of, of like making all that making uh, it has tiered inserts that help with like cleanup and stuff like that. Where where the like the different characters that you would get and. Uh, stuff like that. Like most things, don't even be need to be taken out of the insert before you start playing. You just kind of pull the inserts out and you draw things from the inserts. And uh, so there's 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 cool stuff with that. Uh, I I really like the idea of that game because it is like a semi co op where you could still win, but you could cause it to like like everyone has to work together to make sure the game doesn't just lose. So that's an interesting thing. Oh, so like Lowlands. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're you're not entirely wrong. It's it's kind of like uh, a similar thing where you're still doing a like drafting engine buildery kind of thing where you're getting resources and putting them into like building an overall engine for yourself. But then there's aspects of like paying a tithe to make sure that the game continues um, and that like people have to work together to be like, okay, well, on this turn, I'm gonna I I, I can't spend that much because I don't have that much which like I want to see what situations that could create it could just be bad because people are going to be like well fuck you I'm not going to put anything in I expect you to put everything in Um, so that game is exciting Um, I think one of the 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 things that I am uh, most excited about is that there is a triple release uh, for the Queen's game stuff that I was talking about and that's supposed to release really soon um, around the time of Gen Con, or not Gen Con, something else, Essence Spiel. I don't entirely understand what those games are. Um, so, yeah, there's... I don't don't fully, fully understand them. Um, there's one... The one that I think I understand the most is kind of like a food chain light, where you are... You have a map of America, you are putting down restaurants and areas, uh, certain, like, cities only have room for a certain amount of restaurants, so you're trying to, like, price people out of them, but then other people can move in, and it has some of the similar mechanics. Uh, it's a repurposed game that is already apparently pretty good. Um, then there's a tile-laying, like, building, like, Skylands, it's called, I believe, where you're you're like fighting over resources to build out tiles that can affect the overall game state because you're building the board so that like as you're positively benefiting yourself you're kind of also positively benefiting other people maybe there's like almost a slight yellow and yangtze or tigers and euphrates kind of thing going on there i'm not sure um and this other game bastille uh which of which i don't know that much about um i think uh I, I want to say it was like Castle Burgundy, Castle Burgundy a little bit, but um, I'm just excited because uh, I, I'm excited to start getting games and like looking, like opening them up and looking at them with like kind of you know un 
uh, like uh, new eyes, like to to see these games and not know a whole lot about them or not be buying them after I watched like 15 videos. That's scary. I don't know. I'm trying to trim my collection down. Yeah. At this point, not trying to add more. Yeah, it is scary. I was thinking about video games, though. I mean, I guess I've asked this question a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, but... I said Soul Calibur and Smash Brothers, probably. I, I can't really think of a lot of other things. Like, I was hearing, I was hearing a lot about Red Dead on the Giant Bombcast. Um, yeah, that sounds cool. I'll wait for it. Yeah, it scares me a little bit because uh, even if it is, I can imagine it coming out to like you know ten out of ten everywhere and rave reviews. But just being a game that like I can't sink my teeth into, like I I I I need games right now that are more like Destiny that are like put in the time that you want right now, um, rather yeah. than a game that is like well to really get anything out of it you have to pay you have to play like you know 30 hours and start interacting with all these systems um and then also from what i heard like the, some of the things that i heard kind of instantly worried me um they were talking a lot on the giant bombcast about how like in this demo that they played they were walking around and there was all these uh, scenarios that were like unique and interesting. Uh, one of the scenarios was this guy uh, was putting horseshoes on his horse, and uh, he, the, if you like interacted with it, then it would spook the horse, and then it would kick and kill the guy and stuff like that. Uh, kick the guy in the head and kill him, um, or uh, robbing someone and getting caught, and and then another NPC saying like, "Let me go, I won't tell anyone," but then running over to a nearby town, and all that stuff sounds like that's cool. But even what they said on Giant Bombcast, when I hear that, I just think about like the mechanisms behind that and how if that ever happens twice, then it's just like, oh, please don't. Like, like to, to get to a point in the game where it's like, yeah, this, this same looking lady is telling me that she's not going to tell the sheriff on me and she, I'm gonna, if I let her go. And it's just like, well, I, you know, like 20 hours ago, I, I, someone did that same thing and I let them go and then they did tell the sheriff. So I'm just going to kill you. Yeah, I hear you, but maybe they act differently. Maybe, I don't know. I think when you start to hear that kind of stuff, it loses a lot when you start to re-see that kind of stuff. We'll see, though. It's true. It's just, like, we've been talking about it a lot. Like, the the open-world games are a harder and harder sell. Like, it's going to be great that it has poker and all these subsystems, and, like, I'm sure it's going to have, like, managing a saloon or a brothel and all this other stuff, because it's Rockstar, but... Uh, when I hear that kind of stuff, and, it's like, I can't get into that. I can't do that. And people also really like the new Assassin's Creed Odyssey game. And I'm sure it's great, but I don't need that. I'm sure it's good. I mean, I, I actually was watching some Twitch stuff and some review stuff of it, but there's a lot about that game that I like. That I just see. It. I, I don't need that many excuses to not want to play something like that. Like, if it, like it, it, a lot of those... A lot of open world games, especially the Ubisoft open world games, are like they have a formula of like, I hope you like the, the things you're doing in the first 10 hours because you're going to do it over and over and over and over and over again ad nauseum. And I don't want to climb towers and mark things on my map or like run errands for people that I find. I don't want to run errands for people that I find. Yeah. Uh, are you interested in all in the World Ends With You remake? Um, coming out actually really soon, right? Like next week on the Switch. I guess it's it's very price dependent. Cause I I I played the Orleans with you. I don't I don't need to replay it again. 
I would rather right now play Valkyria or uh, Monster Hunter on my Switch. That's fair, yeah. I think that I'm probably going to abstain because I'm still trying to get through Dragon Quest Builders. But, you know, for a while I was talking about playing Call of Duty, and I actually think that Destiny is kind of occupying that space for me. So I probably won't end up getting that, uh, which means the games that I am looking forward to are really uh, Hitman and Fallout. And that's pretty much it. And Smash. I'll play Smash. And I also do plan, like, there are some games in my backlog that I still plan to get through. I'm probably going to start, like, Donut County this weekend. What is that? Which I think is sort of like a one-and-done game. You haven't heard of Donut County at all? No. Everyone's talking about it on every podcast. It is a pretty short game. I think it's Vlambeer. It's, uh, no, it's not. Ben Esposito is the one who did it. Um who did uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. But it's sort of this um, funny game like Katamari where uh, you're moving around this hole and then stuff falls into it and then the hole gets bigger so you could pick more stuff up with the hole. That's it. Okay. But uh, but it's, apparently it's pretty good. The writing's good. The style's cool. And I uh, just want to check it out because it's... Uh, Nice, short, and sweet game that I feel like a lot of people are going to be talking about around uh, Game of the Year time, which is coming up. Yeah, I look forward to that kind of stuff. I, I think podcast-wise, I've mostly been listening to uh, D&D podcasts because without Amnesty, I've just wanted to... I'm, I'm really, like... Uh, I, I'm really fascinated by and uh, uh, D&D right now, I guess. That's one of the reasons why... Are you why listening I... to uh, Not Another D&D Podcast? No, is that good? I, I'm still looking for stuff that I... That's, that I, that's I really... the one that I hear is uh, the best. Okay. Um, I, I So I had listened to a couple. I'm forgetting, like, there. there's, like, the, the the official one is... I forget the name of it. Um, and Critical that... Roller, no. And, and that one didn't really uh, interest me that much. I listened to a little bit of uh, Dice Camera Action, and that actually is a little bit more interesting. I think that nothing... I think that there's a good reason why the McElroys are very famous for doing it. And I think that some of that is a lot of that is because of their own, uh, like their, their clothes. I mean, they're, they're, they're siblings and they're blood related and they've known each other their entire lives and they have really good, uh, like synergy with each other. Um, and, uh, I think, I think yeah, but they're also writers and podcast yeah. people. Yeah, they're writers and the, podcast people. I think that all D and D players. Uh, I I th- the the thing that has been like st- really stuck in my mind is that uh, the monster of the week that uh, uh, Griffin is using as the basis for Amnesty is really fascinating because the players. Like the the way that the DM interacts with the players is just the coolest thing when you put this system in front of awesome people because the people are allowed to say things like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna go down to to like old boy's corner store," and then in like you're allowed to say something that might be true in that world, and then in doing so, like create an actual pocket yeah. of that world. And I think that's really interesting that like the players and the dm work on on growing the world uh like ad hoc uh kind of emergently and i i think that's super fascinating not just you you know yeah 
You know what works for me is that I, I hear them play it and someone says like, let me roll an investigation. And then, you know, they fuck up and Griffin's like, okay, mark experience. And then, you know, the gameplay proceeds. And every time I hear something like that, I think to myself, I hate Dungeons and Dragons. Because if I were the one DMing and someone failed their investigation role, another player would pipe up and be like, well, I'll investigate them. And it would go around the table until everyone's tried an investigation role. And that's not fun. Yeah, it might I mean, be we, efficient, but it's lame. Yeah, there's a lot of aspects of Dungeons and Dragons that can be inefficient. I, I kind of like these spinoffs of, of Dungeons and Dragons a little bit more that uh, open up a lot of the the game. They make it more. I think it's. I think one of the reasons that I'm more interested in it also is because the the monster of the week is kind of more about narratives than it would be about gameplay. Yeah. And I, and think, I think that new D&D is about that too, like 5th edition, where you don't need the grid or really don't, yeah, just really don't need that at all. Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. All right. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you. The um, Monster of the Week is cool. The last time that I was at a 20-sided with John, he actually picked up the book. Yeah, uh, but I don't know if he'll actually run with it. I kind of wish that there was a board game that did that, that emulated that a little bit better. Like I know there's Descent, but I but Descent is more, it's more or less like Gloomhaven where it's it's focused on the combat aspects and the uh, character growth in stats, not like learning things or uh, narratively. And I kind of want a board game like a like a legacy style monster of the week that i can pull out and we can like you know have like character sheets and affix like stickers and uh you know mark people with scars and go over a campaign and then also be very driven by like a dm that decides things or explains things hey maybe betrayal legacy but who knows maybe is that out uh no that's later this year i think that's like december ish or november that's uh, November 9th. Okay. Hey, that's the deal with games, though. Thank you, James. WTDGpodcast.com, at on WTDGpodcast, iTunes, what's the deal with games, rate, comment, subscribe. Uh, thank you, Ryan Galloway and Crying, for the use of your music. You use the intro and outro revive off the new album, Beyond the Fleeting Gales. You can find them at the Rump Cover Bandcamp. It's just in. A comet hits Smash Brothers, all the characters die, and Mars is in the game. It's the only thing in the game, and it's Thanks, empty. Ryan. Thank you, James. We just don't have it yet. <laughs>